0: Hey, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Grow & Go podcast. And I'm sure you've noticed that there was no introduction music. And um, judging by the title, you can see that this is a bonus episode. Um, so you, the, <laughs> you don't have to listen to this. But I figured this would be a cool little little side thing, and I might do more of these bonus episodes. And uh, this is just something that I felt like, oh, this, this should be relevant, and this should be talked about more. And that's my testimony, my story of how I met Jesus and how since that moment, he has transformed everything. Um, and a couple episodes I've hinted in just, you know, I've known him for six years or I've, I've made comments like that, but I, I I don't think I've really shared my story a hundred percent with, uh, I mean, you guys, obviously, but just in general, like I haven't shared it a ton unless it's like a one-on-one interaction. And I figured this would be a really cool thing. Um, and it's not like I'm going to be sharing scripture or anything. This is just strictly like my story and how how God transformed my life and how the person that you are listening to today is not the same person who was um, who was six years ago. I'm a completely different person because of Jesus himself. Nobody else, Not it's not Jesus plus something. It's just Jesus and who he is and what he did for me and what he can do for you or has done for you. And so I wanted to share this um, and I just want to, just a little preference before um, I get into this. There's going to be some pretty, pretty difficult topics that I'm going to talk about um, and I'm not trying to scare anybody away or anything and I don't want you to think that I'm trying to glorify um, sin. Um, This is just something that I did. (laughs) I'm not proud of the things that I did. Um, but this is my story and this is something that is a part of my story, regardless if I'm proud of it or not, regardless of um just the backstory to it. And, you know, I think we all have things that we're not really proud of at times. And uh but thankfully, you know, God redeems that, God doesn't condemn us, um, and he rejoices in us, he delights in us. And uh but I just wanna give a clear clarification uh beforehand because it's gonna be a pretty vulnerable little side episode and um yeah, and I just wanted to let you know that. Um I'm also gonna let you know that I'm probably gonna refrain from a lot of joking around too. I know I kinda tend to do that in some episodes because this is some this is kind of a serious thing. Um, but not you know, obviously it's not like this is has to be so serious to the point where like nothing is lighthearted. Like there's there's gonna be some moments, but I just wanna let you know this is this is a pretty pretty hard episode um for me to share, but uh, if anything, I feel like that's a testament to knowing how much God has changed my life um, since. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to give that little warning in the beginning and uh, just share my story. And so um, I guess I I don't really know where to start, so I guess I'll start from birth. Um, I was born on Mother's Day, May 11th, 1997, and uh, I was born uh, with a hole in my heart. So, um, you know... Growing up, my mom, and so I was born with a hole in my heart, and then um, it healed itself apparently. Um, and my mom always told me growing up, like whenever I would do some act of kindness or like, you know, be loving in a way, she would always be like, "Tan, you know, God filled that hole in your heart with a little bit of extra love," and I always, I always love that, and I, and it always just reminds me, reminds me of like how much like that has just just shifted the way that i like want my heart to be aligned um but that's off topic that's for a different episode but so yeah i was born with a hole in my heart uh and it was healed um and so then um and i grew and i grew up in a normal household um mom dad brother sister like it it was just a typical and at least from outside perspective and where i was at as a kid was uh it seemed like a just a normal normal life like I always like pictured, uh, us, like the family just growing up together and like, you know, grad, we were going to be super close and grad parties and like, you know, weddings and stuff like that. Um, but God, God had a different story with that and came to the point where, um, my dad had cheated on my mom, uh, with different women and it was really hard and I didn't really know it until later in life, but, um, Apparently there was an instance where I kind of helped aid uh or I basically like told my mom on my dad without even realizing it as a kid and um there was a time where I after after my parents got divorced um which I'll get to but there was a time where I like blamed myself for that and it was kind of foolish because I'm like I can't blame myself on <laughs> the problems of my mom and dad and my dad's sin specifically um and so it's it started this pattern of me just kinda like starting to blame myself for a lot of things. Um and it was hard and it was really difficult to get out of to like remind myself that I'm not the fault of my parents' divorce. And I'm not the fault of their fall. Um, but sin and sin creeped in and, and ruined what was something that God deemed as beautiful. And it was really hard. Um and of course I'm looking at this now from a perspective of I'm I now fully understand like where God was in this, but at that time I didn't see it at all um, I just saw man this is awful like why is this happening to me like so around the time of the divorce um there was a really I was in a really bad patch um, I had a girlfriend who um it was my first like sexually active sorry n- not saying I was like sexually active, but it was a very sexually charged relationship where her and I. Um, we'd exchange pictures, um, we would talk very inappropriately with each other, and there, there was a time, around the time my parents were getting divorced in uh, 2010, I believe, I was in middle school, so I was in seventh grade, um, it was around that time that my mom had caught me, or caught us, um, saw my phone, saw all these text messages, and basically like said, like, you two aren't allowed to be together, and uh, it was really, it was really heartbreaking, and of course, seventh grade me is overreacting to everything. And so I took that as, like, the world is falling apart because of this relationship that, like, my first love, my first real relationship <clears throat> is falling apart. Like, and I felt so devastated by that. And on top of my parents' divorce and on top of being in middle school and life sucks, like, there are bullies everywhere. I, I was bullied a lot. There would be times where I would, like, be crying to my mom in my, like, in my bed, just like, Mom, like, like I don't understand why people like just don't like me and people make fun of me and like and I and you know and I didn't really look <laughs> that great either looking back like I had buck teeth I had long hair and I I just was annoying and and I get it that like I'm not here to degrade myself or anything but it's like I it really hurt a lot it hurt it and that was and I think that was a a time where I started like and this start, this happened early in like maybe second, third grade, where I was just in this place of like, I need to, I need to be accepted. Like I need people to pay attention to me and to know, I, I want people to know my worth. Um, And so there's, I can think of funny instances where like this kid, he got highlights and I was like, I want I want to get highlights. I want to be noticed. And so I would get them and they weren't even like recognizable. Like you couldn't even tell. And there would be times where, like, I would beg my mom, like, "Mom, could we please go, like, shop at like Hollister and get new clothes?" Like, I'm like, "I need, I need to fit in." Like, that was the biggest desire for me. It was like, "I need to fit in. I need these people to recognize me and to see that I'm not just a annoying kid." Like, I wanted, I, <clears throat> I craved affirmation. I craved attention, and I craved just feeling like I belonged. And I never really felt that way. Um, I never felt like I belonged in any circle and so every year I would have a different friend and I would have a best friend almost every every year I would have a new best friend in quotes and so and it was this lifelong (laughs) lifelong it was this like journey of just like me trying to find some sort of stability in what people thought of me and along the way I became like obsessive and like whenever like my friends or my quote my quote best friends like would hang out with other people I would get jealous and I'd be like you know like why like do you not like me anymore are we not friends anymore and it creeped into like relationships and so like and I noticed that that was like a just like a that was almost like a pattern for me of just like noticing that like some people like They wouldn't do anything to say that I was annoying or to say that, like, I wasn't worth to be loved. But, like, I already placed myself in that mindset of I'm not worthy to be loved. And it was really difficult because they never voiced that. But yet I just assumed. Um, And so that in the meantime, on top of that, when my parents came divorced, like, I there was almost this sense of, like, Why? Like why is this happening to me and like why, like do I need to? It was it was very complicated. It it almost felt like I was like, Dad. I was telling my dad like, are are we not worthy to be loved? Like, like why are you why do why are you leaving? Essentially, like am I not worthy to be loved? Like, and it was just and I never really voiced that until I realized it along the way that like that was it, like I wanted comfort and I never got it from the the friends and peers that I had. And I felt that it creeped into my relationship with my dad and and it was really, really difficult. Um, And so going back to the narrative, seventh grade, kids are mean. I'm striving for, to be, I'm striving to be loved and to fit in. Um, On top of that, I have a, relationship that just fell apart because of my own sin and three my parents are divorced and I'm feeling I'm feeling like a I'm feeling very lonely and I remember in this time like I consider seventh grade to be like the worst year of my life because with all these circumstances going around and of course there's circumstances there are things that I I ultimately cannot change but all these things going around I <clears throat> started having these suicidal thoughts And I remember, like, being on the bus ride home from school and just, like, looking out the window and just, like, thinking, like, if I die tomorrow, like, I wonder what people would think. And I would, like, close my eyes and just, like, picture, like, like, oh, I wonder how my brother would react. Would he cry? Like, I wonder how my dad would react. Would he, like, what would happen? Like, and I I pictured, like, would people even care? Would people care? more about me when I was gone than if I was still here. And it was just these little, little pieces of just, man, just hatred for myself. And it, and it was just, it was hard and it was, you know, you could easily diagnose me as someone who just craved for attention, but it, it stemmed deeper than that. I felt this just burden of, I don't, but I don't belong here. Like I, I feel like I don't belong you know and like i always used to compare myself to like my siblings too where like my brother was a really big sports guy and i never really liked sports but my dad liked sports a lot and so i would find creativity in different things like music or just photography um you know making little videos and stuff like that and it was like i was trying to get i was trying to get the affirmation from people but it seemed like in 7th grade me of course was thinking like oh like Logan my brother like he does sports and therefore like he's automatically liked because everybody likes watching someone who likes sports but I and it, and I I didn't do sports and I and I tried and I hated it honestly still hate it to this day but and it was hard because I felt like I didn't belong even in circles where I I, I, I was belonging in um, <clears throat> and so luckily out of that, there came a time where I eventually got out of that season of uh, just that hatred and stuff, and I started to find humor um, as a coping mechanism. And so I would do, I'd I'd find these prank videos on YouTube, and I think like, oh, that's so funny. Like, I'm like people like the person who makes them laugh, and so like my whole goal was to like be set on that, and I wanted t- so bad to like. To make people laugh so that way I could make them feel good and then make myself feel better. And so in like eighth grade, so like a year after that, the worst year of my life, I started being like the the prankster of school. And like I had a couple of friends and then, you know, we eventually like went to the mall and we did these stupid little prank things and just made each other laugh and just, you know, had a, had a really good time. And And I eventually found like, oh my gosh, like that's a joy that like that's something i like love is like just the ability to laugh and and use not even just using it as a coping mechanism but using it as something that helps me heal um you know because in the middle of that like my parents were divorced or and they were going through a divorce too so i always felt like there was this tension between and it wasn't like intentional i don't think my mom I don't think my mom's goal was to make me hate my dad or my dad's goal to make me hate my mom But it was always this push and pull Between the two of them that I felt like I was in the middle and I and I hated it and so I would use You know laughter I would use joking around as a way to get out of it And to find some sort of peace for just a little bit of time I had um outside of home and so I always did that. Um in the meantime like My parents are now divorced and at this time and so me and my brother are seeing my dad every other weekend sometimes in the middle of the week and stuff and it was it was hard because i i thought i like i thought I knew the relationship I had with my dad, but at that point I realized like it it wasn't there and it was very skimming um it was it was just hard to connect because we only had like two hours together every week and it was it was difficult um and I felt like all eyes were watching everything and so it wasn't like I actually had a real relationship like I had a relationship where it was like there was someone there all the time like it felt like a counselor relationship it was really weird um and so like I said eighth grade that year went by pretty good um freshman year I started dating uh this girl that uh went to my church and so um we we started dating and eventually at that point like I had met some close friends and there's still most of the friends I have from that group are still my friends today which is um a blessing but I we started dating and very early on I noticed that one of my biggest things was that like I really liked the attention of people and I was I was basically I was an idiot in that relationship and I we were dating it was like Facebook official and like I would still like message these girls and be like be like, Hey, Oh no, we broke up. You know, we actually haven't posted about it yet and stuff just to get the attention of people. And it was, it was ridiculous. And it was like, I was still like stupid. I was still m- immature and naive and thinking that like I'm blaming something. I have to blame something else. I can't, I can't point the finger at me because I'm not the one doing it. Like, and I was blame. I blamed my, my parents divorce on that. Or like I blamed, um, being bullied and stuff. But like in reality, I look back and I think like that was just me being dumb. Like that was just me, not even being loyal, and it was really hard um, to, you know, basically build up trust in a relationship that I started off as not trustworthy. Um, and so, her and I dated for a year. Um, and at this point, th- this point, I know she's a Christian because we go to church together, and I called myself a Christian, but yet like. I still cursed on the side <laughs> and like I, I obviously wasn't caring about her enough. I wasn't treating her with respect cause I was messaging these other girls. And, and, um and it was just, you know, I, I claimed, I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And like my mom, my mom was, a, she's a believer. And like, she was very like, like she was the mom that like, when we we're waiting for the bus, she'd be like, she'd like start the beginning of a verse. And then me and Logan, my brother would like finish it. And so she was implanting these little small truths um through us and it was it was and honestly what a blessing cuz it's better than the other spectrum but like and I always thought of myself I'm like oh this is you know I'm a Christian that's just like what I believe but it wasn't something that like I applied to my life right and so I always thought like yeah I'm I'm good to go like I believe I believe in Jesus like I didn't I didn't I believed in like the Bible stories and stuff like that and I didn't realize that like the call to be a Christian was more than that which we'll get to in a little bit but It was, and I thought it was good. I thought it was secure. Like, there would be times where, like, I was going through a difficult, a difficult spot, and I would open my, like, men's devotional that, like, I had on my nightstand, and I would read some truth. And, you know, I would, I would read a page of a devotional and be like, oh man, that was, that was some good stuff for today. Now I'm just going to keep going on. And, you know, like, I started my day good, but it wasn't anything that, like, I actually applied to my life. It was just me reading some words and being like, yeah, I agree with that. And then living the same way I was. Um, And so when we would go to youth group together, her and I, like, it wasn't even like, uh, I was never really convicted. Like I had a small group with some guys, but like, I was just there to joke around and like hang out with friends and, and stuff like that. And like, I never, I never took it seriously. And I never like, I, I, yeah, I'll just say that I never really took it seriously. I always thought like, oh yeah, this is just part of being a Christian is just going to youth group and listening to these boring messages that I don't even care about going to group trying to talk about it but in reality we're just hanging out like that's just what I thought um and so <clears throat> so yeah' picking up from there um we're in, I'm in this relationship with her and stuff like that eventually um eventually her and I uh, break up um and you know that was really rough because it was this, this was like Putting aside the old relationship I had where we were really sexually charged, like this was probably like my first like big official relationship. Like she had met all my family, I met all hers, and we'd go to holidays together and stuff like that. So like this was this was like my first serious relationship, I would say. Um and it was hard because when it broke up it was like, oh man, like I just lost in my head, I just thought like I just lost the best thing I had. And so I started I had my youth group friends still, but obviously they were kind of conflicted because they had they, they were friends with her and they were also friends with me. And it was like her and I weren't getting along. We tried to be friends and it was rough. Um, and so it was hard having friends who were like fully, fully for me when they're like, oh, we're her, we're her friends too. And so that was when I was still friends with a few of them. But um, at the same time, like I was like, okay, I need to like find my own friends. And so there were some kids on my bus and this is sophomore year in high school, but at this point, there were some kids in my bus, and we would, uh, <clears throat> they were, they were, I was, honestly, they were just punks. But I thought, like, oh, they think I'm funny, and they, you know, we ride the same bus. It's like, I guess I'll hang out, guess I'll hang out with them. And so I developed a really close relationship uh, or friendship with this one guy, and uh, we were hanging out. Like, af- after school, I would go over to his house, and, um, and just like the patterns of his life started to rub off on me. Like, he would just, not care about <laughs> he would just not respect girls. Plain and simple. He wouldn't respect other people and um and he would get drunk and he had a hot tub and he would invite girls a little younger than us, like in high school, to come over and like obviously <laughs> girls in bikinis and in a hot tub isn't a great idea for my eyes. Um and so like I would just lust. I would just like I would I at that point I started to not care about them either. Like there was a a pattern of me just like inviting all we were just inviting all these girls over and I was just like looking at them just so like with not respect and just not acknowledging them as like a human but seeing them as like oh you're a pleasure for my eyes and so at this point I he started having parties on the weekend and I would just go over and say like I'm hanging out at at his house we're just gonna hang out play video games but like he was having parties and and he was he was buying drinks and stuff, so I started drinking. Um, There's countless stories of me being drunk outside parties by bonfires and stuff. Um, I tried, I smoked pot a few times and didn't really like it, but did enough times to know that like I can, I know how to smoke weed at that point. Um, and just you know, like de- degrading women the whole time. Like there was girls that that those at those parties that I would just make out with, and I just wouldn't care about them in just a respectful way. Um, and it was really hard. And because I was enjoying this because sin is enjoyable, um, by contrary belief, but, and it was hard because like, I didn't even like realize that I was sinning. I just thought like, Oh, this is just how high school is. And like, there was still some times where like, I didn't want my mom to catch me like drunk or like acting a fool with these guys. And so I would just sneak in at home and you know, be quiet and stuff like that, and and it was it was rough. So, around this time, I'm still friends with one of my uh, ex relationships friends, and so h- him and I are pretty close, and uh, or were pretty close. And he was telling me about this mission trip, and it wasn't really a mission trip; it was like a we go to camp. Um, and we, it we call it a mission trip, but we actually go to camp and like our counselors for student like campers, like little middle school elementary school kids, and we go there and basically like just counsel them and stay in cabins with them and uh He was telling me like every year that he 's gone like he 's had just like a life life change there, and so I was like, Oh yeah, good for you, man, but then it came to the point where one day he was just telling me about it, and he walked me out or him and I were walking out to our cars after youth group. And so, oh, also at the same time, I was still going to youth group, even though I like was living a lifestyle of just hypocrisy if I was a Christian at that point, but I wasn't. Um, And so I was just like partying on the weekends, but I would go to youth group and hang out with my friends. It was really weird. Um, And so there was one time where he, him and I were walking out to our cars and he was, he was like, oh, like, and he was telling my mom who was picking me up about this camp trip, about going down to Adams, Tennessee, For to be a counselor and it's like, oh yeah, Tanner should go and like I can get him in because my dad is like leading it. And um and basically when he walked away, my mom like looked at me and was like, You're going to that camp regardless. And I was and of course I was frustrated because at this point I'm like, it's towards the end of sophomore year, and I'm just like beginning my lifestyle of just like partying. And this whole summer we had planned to like throw parties and stuff, me and this friend. And um and it was it was hard because I was like, Man, what the heck? I was like, what the heck, mom? I'm like this isn't what I signed up for, for summer. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to take two weeks out of my summer. And so I was, I was pretty upset, but it got to the point where I was like, all right, I guess I have no other choice. Um, and so it was, uh, fourth of July. It was the day before, um, we were going down to camp. And so I remember I had a family party. And then later on, I, we went to me and this friend, we went to, um, see fireworks at a local park and I remember I was just drunk, like I was just an idiot. Like there's pictures on my, on my social media from that day, and I just I just look gone, like it was ridiculous. Um, and so, full knowing full well, the next day I ha- I would have to get up early and drive seven hours down to Tennessee to go serve campers, which was weird because I wasn't even saved, um, and I wasn't even like a Christian, but like they still let me go even though I had no idea about anything about the faith, right? And so the next morning, my mom, we, we drive over to, um, the church where all the, all of us are going, uh, we're about to like pack up our truck and leave. <clears throat> and, um, my mom and dad are there and we take a picture and, you know, it was funny cause I didn't realize like that was the last picture that they were looking at their unsaved son. And so we get in the car and this is July 5th, 2014. And so. Get in the car, drive seven hours down, um, and we're there. And we're in Tennessee, and we meet all these other counselors who were from Tennessee. So it was, there was like an Indiana group and a Tennessee group, and um, and I just noticed something about these Tennessee these Tennessee counselors. Like one thing that just struck me was like they don't even know me, but they make me feel welcome here, and they're so nice. And I was just like blown away because I'm like, all right, that's not the Christians that I've met up here. Like where they're just like super standoffish and some of them are weird and some of them are judgmental but like these people i'm just like man like they made me feel welcome and maybe it was because we were doing life for two weeks together but i just remember like man like okay like these people are nice like i'm looking forward to this now but i was still like this was the first time i was ever away from home um and so i was really scared and like just honestly there was a lot of unknown that i wasn't aware of and so i i so we're, we're doing this like counselor training thing and it's the first night, obviously it's still the same day, July 5th and we're like, Hey, we're going to do worship. And I, I had only known a couple songs just from singing at youth group, but it was 2014 and the biggest worship song of that year was Oceans by Hillsong, uh, United. And I had, and I didn't listen to worship music. I listened to like Nirvana and grunge and stuff. I didn't, I didn't care about worship music. And so we're singing these songs <clears throat> and the song, they play Oceans and The bridge. when it got to the bridge where it said spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters, wherever you would call me. And for like the first time I like saw those words and like a light bulb just like went off in my head. And, and I, it was, I count that as like the first time God said, like, like he, it was almost like he snapped his fingers. I was like, I'm here. Like it's, I'm here. Like these words are for you. Because in that moment, I felt so far away from home and I felt so scared and, you know, I didn't trust what was going on. I didn't have any stability or any comfort, but yet I felt this peace. It was really weird. And I never, I never, I looked back and I think like, that was all God. That was God like revealing himself to me for like the first time that like I acknowledged him. And so, um, and so that happened. And then it was really, it was really, I was really freaked out because I was like, what the heck is going on? Why do I feel this? Um, but then here's, and here's the next part. And this part's a little weird. Whenever I tell people about it, it's, it makes sense to me, but it might not make sense to you. So just, just bear with me for a second. Um, so after worship, we all went down to this bonfire and it was all the counselors like Tennessee and Indiana counselors. And we're all just, you know, there's a couple guitars playing. People are singing having fun and um, and there was this black lab there and it was, and it, I don't know whose it was or whatever. I don't know if it just showed up out of the woods, but it was just walking around and, and it was staying close to me. Like every time I pet him, he would just like stay near to me. And I was like, oh man, like, oh, like cute dog. Right. But then, um, one of the guys was like, Hey, we're going to go back to the cabin and just start unpacking what you want to come with. And I was like, yeah. And so we're walking and to get to our cabin, there's this like this long bridge and it's a bridge kind of like Shrek. Uh, if you remember like the volcano scene, but, and so it was really like, really sketch. It was like really shaky when you walked on it. And it was, it was pretty scary. Um, and so we're walking over to it and I let the guys go in front of me to go across this bridge and the dog is following me at this point. And so I like look and I look at the dog and I'm like, I'm like, okay, like obviously like I want this dog to be with me. Like this is sort of my own only stability at this point. So I'm walking across the bridge and I pat my leg and I'm like, come on, come on, boy. You know, and, and he doesn't move. So I'm like, man, like, come on. And so I'm like walking a few more steps across the bridge. I like turn. I'm like, come on, come on. He's not moving. So I'm like, what the heck? And so I get halfway, I move a little further and I get to the end of the bridge and I look back and the dog was just, he, he was planted there the whole time. Like he was just stuck to the ground. But then as soon as I got to the end, he just like got up and just jumped into the forest nearby and like. I ha- I never saw it again and it's good. This story is going to be important in a minute, but I never really thought anything of it then, but we go to bed that night, all the counselors are in the cabin and I wake up in the middle of the night, um, or sorry, I had this like in my, in my dream, I had this like vision of that scenario with the dog and this, and it, it was very, it's very weird to explain, but I felt like that dog is God and that. That dog was just watching me go across this really sketch and scary bridge and it like for some reason like I felt like me walking across that bridge was like me walking into my new life and that bridge is scary and it's like me being away from home me not knowing what to do and like like I'm so far away from home I'm so far away from the life I live and and I don't know but God was like watching me like the dog was watching me and he wasn't gonna let me fall like the dog was keeping his eyes glued on me and saying like, I'm, I'm watching over you. And so I wake up and I'm confused. Cause at that point, I'm just like, what the heck is going on? Like I've, it was like the second time God spoke to me, but I didn't realize it, but I was kind of like, what is going on? So I got up, it's like two, 3am. I don't even know. And I go outside and I sit on the porch of the cabin and I just like look up the stars and Tennessee stars are beautiful by the way, but I look up the stars and I'm just talking. And this was like the first time that I, like ever talked to God, and uh, and I remember something like me saying like God, you know, I don't know if you're real, I don't know, I don't know what it is, I don't know why I'm here, um, but I'm scared, and God, I I, I have no idea what to think of this place. I don't know any of these people. I don't know you. I I, but I trust you, and I remember saying that, and and I remember. From like that moment on, like my eyes have just slowly opened, and over the two weeks that I was at this camp, like the stories that we were supposed to be teaching our campers, like they were teaching me because I didn't have I had no idea about any of this stuff. I didn't know that I didn't know about the ark, and I didn't know how it resembled God's promise and His just His faithfulness, and because that was the theme was Noah's ark, and so over the two weeks i learned a ton and it got to the point where when we came back and we drove the seven hours back home um i remember my mom and dad picking me up and my dad dropped me off at my mom's house and my mom and i just we were standing out on the porch talking and and you know i was telling her about the trip and i was just like mom i think something in me has changed i'm like something something's different something's weird And we were just talking. I'm like, I just like feel this. I feel different. And it was very, it was very um, intimate moment between me and my mom where I was just like, mom, I don't know what's going on, but something is different. And I think like what me and my mom came to the conclusion was like, I accepted Jesus into my life. And I had met Jesus on that trip just through trusting him. And so from that moment on, and so that was, I give the day that the whole dog scenario and me out on the porch, I consider that the day that I met Jesus It was on July 5th, 2014. And so from that moment on, I remember some things that happened was like, I, uh, I went to that guy's house that I used to party with and I went over to his house and I was like, Hey man, like, I don't really want to like party anymore. Like I'll still hang out, but I don't want to like do any of that. And he basically closed the door on me and was like, you know, get out of here, man. Um, and so him and I weren't friends anymore. And I started getting more involved in the church. And uh, I realized that the the career I wanted, I wanted to do music before, but the career had changed. And I was like, no, I want to like, lead students. And I want to be, I want to lead students because for them to know that I was them two years into high school and I can change, like God can change my life around for the last two years of high school and can make me new. And so like... I went from being the party guy in high school to coming back and people making fun of me, which who cares at that point, but people calling me like pastor Tanner and, you know, like Jesus freak and stuff like that. But it was like, none of that cared at that point. Like I started to realize that like, if God looks at me and is so proud of me and loves me and affirms me, then like the opinions of people, I don't have to focus on that. And so and it was crazy. It it still brings chills down my back, just how much God transformed my life. And since then, like some other things. So I stopped partying. I stopped drinking and smoking. Um, and I came back and I had a heart to like, I want to make things right with my dad because him and I weren't good. Um, and ultimately, like I wanted to, the next year, I invited my brother down to camp and he got saved a few days in, which was really cool and really crazy. Um But just how much God just changed my life just by revealing himself and saying, I'm trustworthy. Like everything around you is so untrustworthy right now. Like you have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm here and you can trust me. I'm your guide and I love you. And so I know this episode is getting a little long, but I just want to take the last few minutes to just share just my heart for this, for this and for you. So if you are a believer, I want to say, um, you know, sometimes we put each other in a theological box and try to say like, well, you weren't led, you know, nobody walked beside you during that time. So I don't, I don't know, like who, 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 uh, who shepherded you, who, who mentored you? But it's was like, I didn't need that. I didn't need people to do that. God revealed himself to me and God revealed himself to many people. Um, and it's like, how, how dare us try to just put someone in a box by saying like, you didn't get saved the way I did. Therefore it's like not legit. It's like, God can work in so many different ways. Like, who are we to be the one to say that's God working and that's not God working, you know? And so, um, so also another thing I want to say to the believers is that, um, thanks for inviting me in, <laughs> you know, you can look at my story and you can be like, man, like he was suicidal at one point and he was. An idiot. He treated girls with disrespect and he, you know, partied. And he was just this guy who just was a jerk, you know, like I, I would just consider myself just a punk. and But yeah, like that's what grace is, is just letting people in despite that. That's the gospel and how Jesus came down perfect. And he hung out with sinners and died for them. So that way we could be set free from the bondage of our sin because he took it for us. And so another thing, the last thing I want to say is to anybody who isn't a believer, um, I just wanna let you know I'm sorry if I and I and I have in the past, but I'm sorry if I or anybody who, you know, says they are they are Christian and are believer, or believers, if they've ever made you feel like you you have to do this or you have to be a believer and you have to do this, or tried to force Jesus down your throat. I just want to apologize because I think the reason that we do it is because this freedom is something that we want to tell about and we want to share because it's just so good like to accept Jesus into your life is to accept not only eternity with him but to accept freedom from the bondage of our sin. And I'm and I want to apologize because they have the right they have the right motive but sometimes we do it the wrong way. So I'm not here to force Jesus down your throat or to let you know that you have to do this. You have to do that. Um, I do believe that in order to accept Jesus into your life, you need to believe and receive and repent from the lifestyle that you lived. Um, and I'm I'm not going to be the one to point it at you and tell you that. I think along the way, no nobody pointed at me and said, you need to repent. I think that was something that I just naturally knew that the lifestyle that I was living was not one that I wanted to live and it wasn't I wasn't finding any freedom in it, but if there's anything that I want to just leave with you just to chew on and to think about is that i'm not nobody's gonna nobody's here to force you into a relationship with Jesus, but I want you to know that you're invited and that you're not too far gone, and that the lifestyle that you live now you know it isn't satisfying, and you know that There's this emptiness after you have sex. There's this emptiness after you get drunk and you're hungover. There's this emptiness from living life for you because it's not meant for you. It's meant for him. And I just want to let you know that this lifestyle that you live, I've been there. I've been, I have been there. That's all I need to say. But I want to let you know that you don't have to stay there. And this isn't a final destination for you. And I don't want you to live your life like that. But I want to let you know that you're invited into a free relationship with Jesus. There is no, you have to make things right first, or you have to clean up your act. Jesus accepts you just as you are. And he loves you just the way you are. He created you in his image. And you may hate yourself. There's been times where I hate myself. But I want to let you know that you don't have to hate yourself because God created you perfectly in his image and he adores you. He loves you. And people may have walked all over you and treated you with disrespect or maybe you just have been mean to you. You know, you maybe you've given maybe you've given Jesus or religion a, a, a try before, but I would argue that it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And the relationship starts with you willing to trust him. You know, sometimes we put our trust in things that we can't see, but in this situation, God is so trustworthy. He is so trustworthy. He loves you. And I would, I would just encourage you to just think about it. You know, I'm not trying to force it down your throat. And the last thing I would want to do is tell you that this is something that you have to do, but it's something that has changed my life and has flipped my script around. And I want to let you know that he can do the same for you as well. So that's my story and you know, you can have a story too. And so I, uh, I wasn't expecting this to be super long, but, um, I'm glad it is. And I'm glad that I could be willing to share the good news of the gospel, which is when Jesus came down, died, died a death that he didn't deserve to die. It was my death, but he took it for me because of love. And he took that for you because of love. And so if there's any last remarks that I I just want to leave you is that, like I said, you are invited to a relationship with him. There's no cost. The only cost is eternal life. You get to live with him for free. And I just want to let you know that you are so, so loved and cherished. So like I said, that's my story. Thank you guys for listening to this um stay tuned for next week we'll be back on season two another episode but like i said you are loved and you can continue to grow and go we'll see you guys later